to the Stranger Still podcast. I'm Kathleen. And I'm Miles. We re- are re-watching <laughs> every episode of Stranger Things ahead of the May and July two-part release of season four. We are competing over this <laughs> intro today. Now, do I read the next part? Yeah, that's all you. It's been three years. Let's catch up together. <laughs> Follow us at StrangerStill22 on Twitter. Subscribe, review on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. All the places but Facebook. That's right. Ahoy, ladies. Ahoy. Didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on the ocean of flavor with us? We'll be your captain. Season three, chapter one. Susie, I do you copy? You. I tell you, Steve's one of my favorite characters. I love that line. I love that line. <laughs> I he's and I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. <laughs> <laughs> he's so great. All right, we start off in Russia. So the Russians are up to something. They obviously know about the upside down mm-hmm. at this point. Somehow they've gotten some sort of inside scoop. Who knows? Maybe they have their own version of 11. I don't know. Uh, but they uh, have created a machine that they are trying to use to get into the upside down. But unfortunately, it is unsuccessful. Well, I guess fortunately. Fortunately, yeah. Fortunately. Now, the... Uh, title card there puts it at June 84, which is before the events of season two. So what we're oh, watch like, what oh. we're watching is in between season one, post Demogorgon, okay. pre Mind Flayer. Oh, okay. So I had that part wrong. All good, all good. So the opening scene, a clear announcement that the Russians are trying something. Damn we kind of get a, we get a little bit of everything here. Sort of an announcement that. We're no longer in a subtle, small-town, 80s Indiana show anymore. <laughs> it's no. season three. We're, we got a little bit of Back to the Future with you know with the long look at the machine, mm-hmm. whirring and buzzing oh, and electrifying into action. things are happening. Yeah, we get a little bit of like Rambo, you know, flaming human red meat on the ground Ooh, after yeah. it explodes. Oh, my gosh. We Is get, that a Rambo reference? That's, it's just all those action movies, all those 80s action movies. There's always flaming human red meat <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> Flaming human red meat. We okay. Get the scientist is like a classic gets, 80s. The the scientist who gets killed is like lifted up by a big Terminator style oh, guy. That is absolutely mm-hmm. it's like Jean-Claude Van Damme moment right there. Arnold Schwarzenegger type of thing. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. And then the whole USSR vibe, you know, it's Rocky, the classic cheesy 80s bad guys are the are the Russians. We're in that Oh, the classic 80s Russians. Yeah. Always up to no good. The 80s Russians. Are are a little bit less, a lot less scary than the fifties and sixties Russians, because by this point it was clear we were going to win the Cold War. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> so the scientist <laughs> one scientist dies, the other one Alexei gets put in charge, and he says, "We, you have one year." Mm-hmm. And we notice it's Russia, and we go to the the credits. There, the stakes have been set for season three. And then, just like that, we leave Russia. Yeah. <laughs> when we're back to America, where the, the kids are hitting puberty, becoming mm-hmm. teenagers. Oh, yeah. And this is when we first see the new mall. Mm-hmm. Star- Small town America is dying. It's called Star... 
Star Court. Star Court. And it's cool. I I really like um, the aesthetics of this. I just mm-hmm. think it's really cool. It's so flashy. Totally 80s, but done in a really tasteful way, like a nostalgic way. I really like that. Yeah. I like seeing the kids kind of evolving into, you know, teenagers, really. So, yeah, they're going to the mall. Steve's now working at Scoops Ahoy, which is also <laughs> another pleasing aesthetic. I like the way they have that set up. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know, Steve allows them in the back so they can sneak into a movie. What movie are they watching? Something. Day of the Dead or something like Day, that. Oh, I don't, Day I don't of know the what. Dead. Yeah, yeah. This is a little before my time. The the mall, though, feels so real, you know, and just yeah. and like you mentioned, the colors, you know, like this is the 80s progressing from those like faded orange and browns and greens uh-huh. that the, the, the decade started with into the neon bright, neon new flashy. Yeah. And the mall is a huge part of that. It's a cool place to be. Mm-hmm. It's packed. All the kids are there, including Lucas's younger sister, yeah, I know. who is way cooler than Lucas is. And I just love that. Like she's like the cool older bully who's super (laughs) mean to her older brother. It's just, I love that dynamic. It's just really funny. Erica and Lucas definitely have the most contentious sibling relationship. (laughs) Shouldn't you be home? Shouldn't you be dead? (laughs) I know. I love it. Little does she know. Yes. Lucas should be dead by now, if not for 11. Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Subtle. So before we get to what happens in the movie theater, just want to talk about Steve and Robin and their kind of relationship as we learn yeah. in Scoops Ahoy. I like Robin. Rich boy Steve has lost his money. He can't get any girls. Robin is calling him a dingus, keeping a tally of how much he strikes out. <laughs> you rule versus you suck. Yeah. And he has zero points in the you rule column. Mm-hmm. He is clearly sucking at life. His dad is punishing him because he didn't get into college. Mm-hmm. So he's making him work. But wouldn't you like to set sail on the ocean of flavor with us? I love that line. It's just so funny. So cheesy. And it's something that would have worked when he was in high school, Mm -hmm. but doesn't work anymore. He's in the real world now. He blames the hat. Yeah, he blames the hat. (laughs) So in the movies... The power goes out. Mm -hmm. Well, it goes out everywhere, but it goes out. All of Hawkins goes out. Mm -hmm. And... Will has a moment. Will has a moment. And does he tell anyone... And Mike gives him two chances. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You sure? Because remember before you were going to keep it a secret and everyone would have died. That's what Mike should have said. Remember, you were going to keep it a secret and the whole world was going to die. God. So h- how about now? You want to say something? No, Still I'm no. Good. Still no. He's no. he's fine. He's totally fine. Acts like nothing's my, wrong. My grace that I announced that I would have for Will the character at the season two finale has lasted us seven minutes into our third season <laughs> podcast. Already pissed at Will again. I actually well, really like the season three part for Will. We'll talk about it a little bit more, but his oh, separation. Yeah. Well, and we know something is really wrong because we have this flash to this old creepy warehouse and we see the shadow monster forming before it goes mm-hmm. back to, you know, then you're back at the mall. Yeah. Because um, well, pop- everything's fine. Everything's fine. Well, let's keep popping around. These first episodes are hard to hard to talk about. We're not going to do it chronologically. Just kind of pop around to the different storylines. Yeah, I am crushing it. Okay. Absolutely you are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dustin is on his way home. Oh, Dustin. And yeah. He's, he's been separated from everybody for a month. He's so eager to reconnect. Science camp? Is that where he was? I, it must be some sort of science yeah. camp because he makes all of those little... Oh, yeah. It yeah, is science camp. And yeah. he even says, like, she's the girls go to science camp, or they, they're questioning him about Susie. Yeah. 
And I love when he gets in range. He's got the walkie-talkie. This is gold leader. This is gold leader. This is goddamn gold leader. His mom does not care that he's just swearing up a storm. No, she does not <laughs> care like about his really swearing. Um, who was gold leader in the Return of the Jedi? Lando. Oh. Always count on me to dig into a Star Wars reference. Of course. I didn't know what that meant. I thought it was just like a pet name that he, he had for one of them. I don't know. No, gold leader, red leader, blue leader. That's a, that's a Star Wars thing. It's yes. original Star Wars, but also Return of the Jedi when they do their thing. Nice reference yeah. there. So he gets back. Everyone's forgotten him, he thinks. Yeah. He's, he's in his room. Mad. Yep. So he gets home and then suddenly all of these toys start walking of their own accord. He's freaking out. <laughs> he thinks, you know, the upside down is back. Who knows? And it really, it's 11 and the rest of the party just pulling a prank on him. And so they're trying to surprise him in a ha ha funny way. They've got their banner. <laughs> He turns around, they all scream, surprise! And then he just sprays the hell out of Lucas in the eyes with his hairspray. Oh my gosh, that just cracks me up. So cool. They're both screaming, Lucas is screaming, yeah. Dustin is screaming. I really envy the people who watch this later who don't have that scene spoiled for them by the trailer. Because that whole scene is in the trailer. Oh yeah. So like when it happened, I knew like there's nothing weird going on. It, this is all, you know, we know what's going to happen, but it's still a cool scene. It is a really cool scene. Uh, well, let's just keep going with Dustin. So he's he shows them all his science fair things. He's got yeah. the hammer. He's got uh, uh, a big, what does he call it? A ham radio? Cerebro. The Cerebro. The radio tower that he has yeah. constructed piece by piece. The Cadillac of radios, he calls That's it. That's what it is. So he can reach... His girlfriend. girlfriend. And they're all like, wait, what? What? <laughs> what? No, what? And so they, you know, they leave to go find a large hill to set it up. They're hiking forever. The Everybody's whole parties together. Everybody's sweating. Mm -hmm. Dustin's just like really pumped about, you know, Cerebro and talking to his girlfriend and showing everybody that he has a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, Mike and Eleven Bail. split off. Oh, it's been like that all summer. I love that. You know, they're, they're, all they can think yeah. about is each other. It's romantic. <laughs> it's gross. It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they so they get to the top of the hill finally. Everybody's pissed because they've been hiking all this way. They get it all set up. Then Dustin starts calling for Susie. Radio silence. Mm, nothing. And that quickly starts a debate of whether she's real or not. Yeah. <laughs> to which Max, Lucas, and potentially Will all pretty much conclude, is she ain't real? No, she's not. Even Will's not on his side, yeah. which is surprising. Will just, why couldn't we play D&D? You know, I really like... Um, I like rediscovering these characters again and all of the changes that they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really like um, the... Lucas and Max where <laughs> it just shows like young kids they don't know how to be in a proper relationship <laughs> Lucas doesn't know girls at all. at all he's chugging the water when they get to the top of the hill doesn't <laughs> leave any for Max and then when she calls him out he spits it back into uh. the jug ew like she's gonna yeah. drink that I just like oh you know and then when they're talking about Dustin and his girlfriend mm -hmm. and um, you know Dustin's like oh she's perfect nobody's perfect and Max is like um excuse me yeah. no girl is perfect and yeah. she says what and he's, you're, you're perfect in your you're perfect in your own own special way and don't forget the moment when he <laughs> he's at the sink and he's washing out the stuff the fair faucet spray and he goes is that a new zit yeah 
And Max is like, what? Like her, her face is so great on that. Yeah, Lucas has no clue how to be a boyfriend. But hey, we're in puberty. We're This mm-hmm. is some awkward time. This yeah. is a very awkward time. Lucas, um, Lucas and Max head out. Will's bummed. He wants to play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you he know, he leaves because it's l- too late. Yeah. So then Justin's just left there, dejected and alone. But then suddenly, he hears the Russians, the Russians. upon the comms, mm-hmm. saying code words. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, they're just like random phrases. We don't know what mm-hmm. it means at this point. The way that they all split up, you know, Dustin's it, uh, uh, the Russians aside. The way that this just kind of this adventure sort of fractured off. Yeah. Eleven and Mike bailed with a lie. Yeah. Max and Lucas left. They they're telling Dustin is a liar. Will's not even into it. Will's thinking, you know, I, I want to be a kid still. And we've seen Stranger Things tackle this, but I really like that they're leaning into this like separation of of interests. You know, separation of yeah. friends. As you get older, especially approaching high school, you know you you start to get little awkward friendships like this that don't make it from childhood yeah, to, to adulthood. It's very authentic right mm-hmm. here. I mean, like you said, you, you're you leaving that stage of childhood, just doing things to have fun, and you're discovering yourself, what's cool, what's not cool. You're discovering girls. But mm-hmm. everybody kind of hits puberty at a different moment. And some people are stuck in the more childish ways where some are like really growing beyond yeah. that. And so it, it is really interesting to see the tension it's it just feels so authentic yeah. stranger things has tackled this before with nancy and barb when nancy yeah. and barb are separating uh-huh. unfortunately yeah. barb got brutally eaten alive in the second episode so we didn't get a ton of time to reflect <laughs> on that theme poor barb but i i just remember watching this episode for the first time and being relieved we're not going to pretend that they're kids and do it all over again yeah. we're leaning into that we're leaning into the fact that they are growing up that they're getting interested in girls and girls getting interested in guys and mm-hmm. and will is being left behind it's very real very cool yeah, I really like that. And speaking of, you know, <laughs> the, you know, growing apart, let's talk about growing together with Mike and Eleven, who yeah. can't stop making out. Oh, my God. It's one of the first things we see, right? Oh, yeah. Right after the credits. Uh-huh. And it's awkward making out. I mean, it it's... It is. Like, the young, you know, they just, like, they don't know how to kiss yeah. properly. <laughs> Mike's enthusiastic singing to the music. is uh-huh. That's all very real to me. I love when he's like, don't you like this song? It's, it's Corey Hart. And Eleven no. goes, no. <laughs> she still wants to make out, but no. <laughs> no. And then, of course, Hopper, who's now Eleven's dad, is freaking out in the living room, yeah. trying to ignore the fact that he knows that they're probably making out in yeah. there. He peeks around the corner, sees them ma- making out. Hey! hey! And then she slams the door because she's embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And then just, six inches! Six inches! <laughs> And so he goes, he runs to the door, opens it up. And of course, they act like nothing has been happening. Yeah. They're they're bad at making out, but they're very good at getting back into place uh, <laughs> when Hopper's coming to the door. Well, nothing was happening here. Yeah, Hopper has gained some weight. We saw at the dinner with Dr. Owens at the oh, end of season yeah. two. He, he was going to go on a diet. We gave up on a diet quickly. His diet was unsuccessful. Yeah. As Mike rides home, actually off to the mall, he's like, he was so mad. He's like, yeah, like a red tomato, a fat red tomato. <laughs> 
Um, so speaking of Hopper, you know, he's he's got this whole dilemma now. You know, he had a daughter previously, but mm-hmm. she died young. Yeah. So this is his first experience with a teenage daughter, mm-hmm. and he is not taking it well. And he needs help. Mm-hmm. And he's so going he, to Joyce. Yep, he goes to Joyce, who, by the way, is like, you know, working in a deserted mm-hmm. store because... Um, Hawkins is is dying yeah. basically because of this mall. Yeah, I love this twin themes of of going into puberty, going into adulthood, and kind of not and leaving your childhood behind, along with the small town dying and getting taken over by the small. All of us basically experienced that who lived through that time. Yeah. Um, Joyce is at a calm four out of ten, and it's weird. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she's not so stressed that it's actually hard to watch it's it's almost weird to hear her talk to hear Winona talk just normally yeah and in the her appearance as well like her hair is very well kept mm-hmm. I mean she's looks all straightened out I mean her clothes aren't just like flapping around like yeah. they were before like she is very put together she's yeah. past that victim stage mm-hmm. you know she basically confronted the fear and the upside down in the last yeah. episode and conquered it. So she's yeah. feeling good. And so she tells Hopper, you don't not don't yell, don't order. You've got to have a heart to heart with them. Yeah, and I like Hopper that. wants her to do it. And she's like, no, no I'll, I'll do got it to do it. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they come up with the words together. Yeah, you and gotta as, talk to them like you're on their level. Yeah, you gotta and, create some boundaries. And he's just like an environment of welcoming. What the heck are we talking about? I love when he's just like, maybe I'll just kill Mike. Yeah. I'm the chief of police. I can cover <laughs> no. up. And he, the way the way David Harbour reads that line too. He like the maybe I'll kill Mike is said with like the same casual tone of like choosing takeout instead of cooking dinner tonight. He's like, ah, ah, you know, and maybe again, I'll just kill him. Such a dad thing to say too. <laughs> And, you know, and so like they're really bonding in this moment. You see Joyce and Hopper and Mm -hmm. Hopper, you know, Joyce touches his hand and Hopper invites her out to dinner, you know, maybe so we can brainstorm some more ideas or whatever. And she turns him down. She says she has plans. No, sad moment. We we basically are learning Hopper is in love with Joyce, Mm -hmm. but Joyce is not over Bob. No. Her her plans are to go home, pour a glass of red wine, watch Cheers, and try to transport back to when she did that with Bob. And there's like this part with this, we get the eulogy theme under this, where Joyce and oh, Bob... Oh, yeah, the music. But the, and I don't know if this is true, I don't know, just to my ears, it sounds like we're hearing the eulogy theme with that vocoder synth a little bit out of tune, a little bit off. Um, it's very interesting to me. I didn't notice that. Well, you would notice that. You're I the would. music man. And I've been here. listening to the score a lot. You know, that is just a, such a sad moment sitting there. She's watching Cheers and then she has that flashback to the happy memory of being with Bob and he's not there again. And then the camera pans to that picture of Bob, oh, superhero. The grand picture. Bob, newbie, superhero. So sad. But what that scene also brings us is... Magnets. The undercurrent of something <laughs> is wrong yeah. because that is the second time in this episode that you see the magnets falling off of the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And as we know from season one, the, you know, upside down opening up affects the magnetic field. Yeah. Mr. Clark says everyone would notice, but everyone doesn't notice. Mm-mm. Their mm-hmm. magnets are falling off. Nope. So Joyce is, is her plans are just eating alone, but Hopper 
still has to implement his talk. <laughs> I love how he's practicing. Yeah. You know, eleven and Mike are in the room and making Hopper's out like, again, of yeah, course. Making out again and Hopper's like trying to trying to memorize it. He's got his like notepad or <laughs> he's his, smoking like, his cigarette, <laughs> the ashes falling on his face as he's <laughs> laying down trying to read through this. That like I don't know, that imagery right there just uh-huh. makes it's just funny. He's the, the, he's so like distraught. He's not even realizing that he's getting cigarette ashes yeah. all over his face. Hopper is in a place. I, I love this about the show because we have this big time jump and we just trust the actor at, to fill in the gaps for the audience. It's been eight or nine months of this and Hopper is kind of losing his shit. Yes. You know, he is at his wit ends. We don't need a montage of clips, you know, to tell us that. <laughs> Hopper's like, the, that cigarette's in the ash. Just his whole conversation as he comes up here. He comes into the room. Trying to be cool and calm and collected and he's not <laughs> well he's just kind of silent he's trying to get he's trying to like get it started and then mike just whispers something they to start, 11 they're laughing oh, the whisper thing oh pisses me off oh i mean as it should that is so disrespectful but they're also little kids <laughs> they're kids that are about to get exactly. the what they think is the sex talk and yeah. they're like oh Uh-oh. my gosh we're in trouble so Hopper goes to his instincts, which is to just say, it's your grandma. We've got to go. And he gets something serious. And Mike is just, what about grandma? What about? What's wrong with Nana? What about banana? Did she fall? Did she get in it? And they get in the car. He's, There's nothing wrong with Nana. <laughs> I love that. He's just so pissed. <laughs> it's so funny. And he's like, you're cra-. And of course, Mike's like, you're crazy. And he's like, you want to see something crazy? Yeah. You disrespect me again. Oh. <laughs> Hopper's acting in this scene is so good it's the second best scene he's had in that car <laughs> in that bronco <laughs> for instance but he just does such a fantastic job i love how he very methodically here's what we're gonna do we're gonna drive and, and gonna you speak. And i'm gonna speak and, and you you're gonna listen and then i'll maybe continue to allow he's like to making allow up how you to date my yeah. daughter he's like making it up as he goes very deliberately and he's just trying to control his anger <laughs> enough then, to get it out and then mike's sitting there he's he's just like you know in shock and fear and finally hopper's like nod if you understand i i mean it was so fun to do that and hopper was also kind of us the audience in a way it is jarring that you know these little kids that we've been watching suddenly they're making out and kissing and yeah and absolutely so they were kids in Hop- the previous season and now yeah. they're teenagers hopper is kind of us he's like yeah. what in the hell is going on and I, I love how the writing leads into this don't pretend that uh-huh. the child actors aren't growing up don't pull a lost and walt you uh-huh. know where you have to just ship them off to nowhere because you can't figure out how to write about yeah. that <laughs> and then again going into you know the the characters growing up mm-hmm. we shoot to N- jonathan and nancy mm-hmm. and they're adults now i mean they've graduated high school they're done with high school they are waking up in bed together late for work because yep. of the power outage um and they're freaking out and you're just like whoa okay well they yeah. are like what do they live together only to find that you know they're living with mom yes Joyce. <laughs> but but um trying to hide it from her and obviously she knows that they're together because you see Nancy go out the back door yeah. but then Jonathan comes out and he's got lipstick all over his face mm-hmm. and Joyce just wipes it off with yeah. a knowing smile she clearly knows yeah. all about it <laughs> I yeah. like that moment so they're working at the paper apparently yeah. 
and Nancy's not having as good a time with Jonathan. Jonathan's well, in his no. red room. It, it He's fine. It was the 80s. I mean, women 80s. were secretaries back then. They yeah. weren't journalists. Yeah. But she wants to be a journalist. And sadly, we're like 30 to 40 years into the uh, into the women in the workforce, Ooh, you know, boy. movements. And we're still getting this sexist mm-hmm, type of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very real, too. I mean, these guys, they couldn't be happier with themselves and their jokes. God, you know, they're such like the the assholes of the business world, mm-hmm. too. They're just so demeaning to women. They're so demeaning to Nancy. You know, she comes up with this idea. She hears that and they're talking about trying to get a story for the next newspaper. And none of them are successful. And Nancy's like, what about Starcourt? Everybody loves them all. But then, you know, they're just... They they start mocking her. Mm-hmm. She's got a really good story here. Yeah. How about something spicier? How about the case of the missing mustard? Uh, yeah, yeah. He just starts making fun of the fact that she messed up on their lunch. Mm. Not cool. Yeah, she's basically acting as a secretary, and, and that uh, that is going to be a theme for Nancy all season long mm-hmm. at the Hawkins Post. But she gets a call. Yeah. Doris Driscoll is reporting some diseased rats. Disease rats <laughs> and we know obviously because we a previous scene had shown the hundreds of rats mm-hmm. gathering that old warehouse they're just exploding straight yeah. up exploding like what what is going on yeah. there and it's not even like a normal explosion it's like not a regular rat gut explosion it's like the exploding into a type of goo mm-hmm. you know do you feel bad for the rats absolutely i do oh you know i love animals i oh i didn't feel bad for the rats i think i'm just conditioned ever since the plague you know, of the 13th century, which 40% of Europe and Middle East died. You know, rats and rodents are a very, (laughs) very important part of our ecosystem. They create food sources for many different animal species. Okay, okay. And they they clean up. They're like the garbage eaters, like seagulls are. Very important. Well, I felt bad for the last rat. The last rat, which is screaming (laughs) as it explodes, and we get the jump. But none of the other ones. The other ones exploded in a cool way. That rat was like, no, and then it explodes, and I love the jump cut into the splashing water. You know, like it's goo, and then we're just back with Mrs. Wheeler swimming in the pool. Yeah. Okay, let's oh, clear. yeah. The contrast. You go from like gross exploding rats to the beautiful Mrs. Wheeler in her sexy bathing suit mm-hmm. doing the backstroke in the pool. Yeah. So let's close it out with the Mrs. Wheeler and the Billy arc. Oh, gosh. Billy and Mrs. Wheeler. We know that she's been in a loveless marriage. Yep. Her and her entire marriage has been loveless, basically. And she is eager for some passion. Yeah. And Billy wants to get it. He's the new lifeguard of the local pool. Mm-hmm. pool. All of the moms mm-hmm. think he's super hot. Yeah. They're all it's, just uh, waiting for him to come on shift. It is not just Mrs. Wheeler. No, no. He no com- but he's got eyes for Mrs. Wheeler. He does. And I Mrs. love Wheeler alone. When he comes on there and they're all the moms are looking and they're straightening up and everything like that. I thought that part was so good. It was so fun. You know, like just around the pool. It was kind of like a nice another 80s setting yeah. along with the mall. Uh-huh. When Billy um, whistles and stops Lardass. Uh, I felt so bad for that kid. If there's any character in this show that I am, I'm Lardass. <laughs> 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 That's me. The guy, run- but you're a rule follower, so you wouldn't have been running at the pool. I would have been mortified to have been whistled by the lifeguard. Mortified. Especially if he called you lardass in front of all of your yeah. friends, I imagine. <laughs> when I was a kid, I actually, it's a good point. I am a rule follower. When I was a kid, there's a pool that said, 
could only have 20 people in there. And I was like getting out when the 20th person would he jump, counting, would go in. Counting would, everybody in the pool. <laughs> nope, we're over 20. Yeah. We got to get out. Okay, so maybe I'm not lard ass. All right. Um, so Billy and Mrs. Wheeler arrange a liaison. Well, yes. Flirting back and forth, Billy offers to teach her private swim lessons. You know, she's she knows that it's wrong and she is fighting against it. No, I don't think that I need any lessons. Oh, I just don't think you've had the right teacher. I'll give you the workout of your life. Now, is there actually a pool at Motel 6? Probably not. Oh, okay. There is a a bed. (laughs) There's a bed. (laughs) There is a bed that they can have sex on. Yeah. Is what he's implying here. (laughs) I I see. And then we shoot later (laughs) to a later scene as Mrs. Wheeler, uh, Karen Wheeler, is beautying herself Mm -hmm. up. She's putting on lots of makeup, doing her hair. She puts on a beautiful dress, takes off her wedding ring. Mm. And then as she walks downstairs, she sees Ted and their youngest daughter sleeping. And you can see, you know, a moment of, is she going to do this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, Billy, he has no reservations. He's, he's driving zooming. down the road. He's laughing, like all proud of himself for getting the hot mom until something runs into his car and, you know, he loses control and goes off the road. I love how he blames the car, too. He's like, you piece of shit. Yeah. Like, he's so mad at the car and uh, he gets dragged into the warehouse and we're mm-hmm. left to to think about Billy's fate, which we'll, we'll be coming back to quite a bit over the course of this oh, season. yes, because we know what happens to Billy. Yes, we do. Okay, let's get to our feeler moment, music moment, and final question here. Okay, so my feeler moment was that one we just went over when Karen Wheeler walks down mm. and she sees her husband and Holly snuggling fast asleep together. You know, she's been in this loveless relationship um, and she's just so much wants some passion in her life, but she sees the love that Ted has for their daughter, the way they're snuggling on the couch. And you just feel, feel that, that, um, you know, the disgust she feels for her, for herself, mm-hmm. for wanting, you know, that passion in her life. But not a, not an unreasonable want. Ted should step up a little bit. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Music moment. <laughs> Music moment. We don't get too many score moments. You know, there's just a billion 80s songs in this episode. Yeah. Kind of the way to get us back into the groove of the 80s. It was like almost two full years uh, between season two and season three. So I'm going to talk about the trailer. Okay. I talked about the trailer. We talked about season two trailer, which had Michael Jackson's thriller, blew everybody's minds, and everyone's thinking, what could it be this time? What could it be that's bigger than Michael Jackson? Thinking like maybe Prince, Springsteen, Madonna. I don't know. I mean, somebody else on the 1980s, you know, music superstar thing. Instead, we get a remix of The Who, Baba O'Reilly from 1971, which is more around the time all these kids were born than the actual (laughs) 1985 setting. But it's a remix. It's super cool. It's kind of 80s-ified. The lyrical theme is perfect. It's a teenage wasteland. It's timeless. Feels very summery. That was a big takeaway from the marketing. It's summer. It's Stranger Things, but in the summer. I know. We're <laughs> expecting like dark you know, yeah. Halloween vibes. Yeah. And it, the the Bab O'Reilly, which is commonly referred to as Teenage Wasteland, but the title of it is Baba O'Reilly. It also evokes like teenager stuff. You know, don't cry. Don't waste your eyes. And finally... One of the big things about this Who song is it's one of the 
first songs, major, major pop songs to use what sounds like a synthesizer. Interestingly, it's not a synthesizer. It is an organ. Oh. It is an organ on a repeat marimba, uh, uh, like not, I don't want to call it sequencing, but just, you know, repeat. And uh, they wanted to use a th- synthesizer. Pete Townsend wanted to do synthesizers all over the place, but it's actually just a regular old organ that does it. That's interesting. Um, but many people think of that as the first time they've seen, they've heard a synthesizer. So it's, it's um, kind of a misnomer. Um, but a very cool moment and a very cool remix. All right. So uh, we like to end each podcast with a question. So what is the most interesting new dynamic of season three? Mm. What do you think? Well, here's my top three dynamics. Well, uh, there they're just are. Three. New. Oh, yeah. yeah. Top three <laughs> new dynamics. Russia as the bad guys. Mm-hmm. The death of small town America, you know, the the mall moving in, the Joyce and Hopper losing their roles in the community, the kids getting a new place to hang out that's hip and fun in the malls, and then the kids and their, uh, you know, fracturing and they're growing apart. So which one's your favorite? My favorite is the mall and the, you know, the economic ramifications uh, of, and the cultural ramifications of that. That feels very real to me. You know, we got to enjoy. It did really happen. Yeah. It really happened. And it feel it like, it's it's like a touch point for me. I remember the end of the mall when I was a kid, when the malls were about to go away. But at one time. I think that happened when we were kids. I mean, that's happening now. Okay. No, in by the late nineties, the mall was an actual shopping center. In this time period, the mall was like actually cool. Okay. It was a place you truly wanted to go. Oh, see, I grew up in such a small town. My mom never wanted to go to the mall. So the mall was a shopping center when we went. I mean, mm. you know, they had the food court and they had some fun stuff you could do there, but it wasn't like we didn't hang out there. Yeah, but this this is the time frame when people like just hung out at the mall, truly. Mm as the thing that they did. Um, and I, yeah, I, I missed that. I was kind of at the very end of it. I remember going to orange Julius. Um, yeah. So I like, I like that. I like that new setting, that new dynamic. Yeah. See, I liked the dynamic with the kids growing up because it just felt so realistic, so authentic. And really these actors are growing up. So we're following their life in real life, this is what they're actually experiencing. Um, and so, I mean, we experienced this, we experienced drifting apart from friends that we were Mm -hmm. close with when we were younger and we're starting to mature and everybody's getting their own interests. So I just, I really like, I really like that dynamic watching everybody grow up. I, that's I mean, this fits our personalities perfectly (laughs) and the most unexpected dynamic that Russia is actually the bad guy in this story. I mean, unexpected? I think oh, it was expected. Uh, I, now that it's happened, it's hard to picture it without it. But remember in season one, they're like, what are you, hiding it from the Russians? Like, it was played as a joke, but no, it was real. It was real? All right. We will be back for the rest of season three. My name is Miles. I'm Kathleen. And good night.